Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. Tisha, we're still live, right? I have no idea. Please tell me we're still live, because I don't... Okay, well... Yeah, it says live. It says live. It does say live, right? It says live, yep. Okay, cool. So, um, I suppose what we're going to do is get on going. Go ahead and on. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today is the absolutely fantastic JoJo, who just came from the tennis court. I did. I did, yes. You and I were the hat squad today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who did you play today, JoJo? Serena? Serena. Oh, Serena. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we go way back, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's pretend that was true. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it right there. All right. So, everybody, today we have a special one, and uh, it's probably going to be a short one, too, because we are discussing a movie that was premiered a few days ago on Netflix. It is called... The Dig, it's uh, probably not everybody's cup of tea, but we actually liked it and we decided to talk about it. And uh, it stars Carrie Mulligan and also Ralph Fiennes. So, Jojo, The Dig is based on a true story, isn't it? Yes, yes. I kind of thought the the way this got to the screen was interesting because it's... It's a true st- it's the movie is based on a novel that is a dramatization of an actual event. <laughs> so this is like a dramatization of a dramatization <laughs> of an actual event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it makes for a beautiful story even though certain creative liberties were taken and uh I think despite a, a bit of controversy surrounding the casting of especially the casting of Carrie Mulligan. I, I think she did a brilliant job with it, as usual. And uh, I think uh, for the rest of it, we'll go into the a bit, but for the rest of the casting, they got pretty much everybody on point, including the fictional characters, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed the cast. Um, I thought it was... Uh, yeah, I like Lily James, so... Lily James, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so Jojo, it is of course up to you to tell folks why they should watch this movie and why, what they should be looking for with a brief synopsis of what this movie is about. I will do my best, folks. I have to warn you that I normally am only running on brain one brain cell and I think I have a half of one left, so... <laughs> So I'll do my best. <laughs> but this movie is about, uh, it's set during World War II. And it is about a 
very important archaeological find that happened on a uh, landowner's farm. And the story of one protecting it during World War II, uncovering it, and also getting the proper credit to the person who actually did all the work and how that has taken 70 plus years to happen with a lot of other stuff thrown in, love stories, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's about it. But as you said, the movie, of course, is not necessarily a very incredibly faithful account of the real story. And as a matter of fact, if the real story was told the way it all happened, it probably would have been quite boring. True, true. It probably been very, very dry. <laughs> very, very British. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, this is not going to be everybody's movie. No. Uh, but again, this is one of the things that we do on Kicking and Streaming. You know, we may talk about a lot of incredibly popular series and movies once in a while, but that's actually what we set out to do when we started this podcast. It was we wanted to actually discover some movies that people might pass on because either they don't see it as an outright incredibly interesting show or, or movie or because they don't know enough of the background history or the background story of it. And it's like, yeah, no one is in this that I'm interested in. The synopsis doesn't speak to me well enough to want to watch it. And so we will watch it for you and tell you why you should watch it, or indeed if you shouldn't watch it at all, isn't it, George? <laughs> yep, that's pretty much it. Whenever we uh, found some little show that nobody ever seemed to talk about, we're like, oh, we need to put that on, on, in a podcast or talk about it on the show. So, yeah. Yeah, so overall, Jojo, what, how, did you, how did you fancy this, this one? I enjoyed it very much. I found it to be very British, I guess, is the best way to describe it. I feel like every modern movie about England seems to be set in World War II <laughs> or World War I <laughs> lately. Modern made, I should say. Seems yeah. like it's it, they're, they're, they kind of can't let WW2 go, which is, is fine. But I, I did enjoy the, the sort of the cinematography and the feel of being there at that time. And then the fact that it kind of like the Queen's Gambit is the sort of thing where you're like, how could that be interesting, an archaeological dig? You know, and how could chess be interesting? And Queen's Gambit obviously made chess very exciting. Yeah. So this, I, I don't know that it made it super exciting per se, but it certainly made it very, very watchable and interesting. Yeah, and picking up on what you you, you just said about how how some some topics might not sound interesting ever if you were to just sell it to anybody, like let's watch a movie that is about an archaeological find. It would be like, no, man, I'm going to pass on this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But it is, it all depends on the story that's been told, and it all depends on the who tells the story, on the skills of the storyteller. More so than the actors in the cast, it has a lot to do with the, the the general storytelling from a cinematography standpoint, from a scripting standpoint, from a, a general knowledge of the era. How can you, as a filmmaker, romanticize an, an era well enough to get people to want to stay there and watch it? And I see a lot of that in this movie. 
there's a lot of camera shots that are like, this is so interesting. Like, like uh, there, there was a lot of playfulness with the environment, with, with the ambience, with the some wide shots that said absolutely nothing, but they were breathtaking and they became part of the story that was being told there. So, so it, regardless of the cast, as you said, Jojo, there's a lot of boring or seemingly boring topics that can become incredibly interesting pieces of art. And I think this is what has happened here on this movie. Yeah. Another thing that was fascinating to me is this movie also tells a story of class. Yes. In a way that is not really in your face. It, it tells a, a story of how human beings would always go out of their way to feel that they are on a different class, that they are on a superior class than their fellow human beings. Yes. Because here's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant dude who is based on pure experience and like a nose for these things. And he makes a scientist of himself, not by going to college, but by amassing as much knowledge as he could, by reading as much as he could, but also as a hands-on. Like, as he said, from the moment I could held a troll, my father, you know, got me digging. And I learned it from my father, who learned it from his father. So, so this guy has an authority of life experience to call himself an archaeologist. Meanwhile, some motherfucker from a university who never got himself dirty in any way, shape, or form, but because he had a fucking title, he thought he was some kind of king shit. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, and it's it's amazing because a person with that kind of, you know, as Mr. Brown, who has the experience, who has the knowledge, and who actually found the, the find, didn't even have any weapons to fight this takeover. No. He, he had to just be reduced to you know, hand labor, even though everything that happens was because of him. Yeah. You know, and kudos on Edith Pretty for maintaining that it is it was her will for Mr. Brown to, to be recognized, even though in the end, they didn't even do it. Yeah, yeah. So these are the, the takeaways for this movie for me. I don't know what you what you'd like to add on this one. I yeah I agree very much with the class and the um, the value of 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 a piece of paper with with numbers and things on it over someone's actual real experience and their ability to see and do and find things and I you know just because they came from a different sort of family it was a lot of money and and had the letters to put behind their name they're taken seriously whereas someone who has done this their whole life um is not taken seriously at all and i do think it also speaks a little bit to misogyny in the fact that her it was her wish to have him recognized and they were just like whatever yeah, sure. and i i i really feel that if it 
if it had been a male, that that had been his his will that, no, I want Mr. Brown to do this and I want Mr. Brown to have recognition, then it probably would have been done. And I think that that speaks a lot to the fact that, to me, that just shows the, the way that people thought in the time. She's a woman. She doesn't have the right to say this. It's her land, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're going to take this away because, like, yeah. you are absolutely right in that at no point I see them even asking her, so do you want to give this to the museum? The the plan of Mr. Phillips is like, yeah, we're going to pack this up and take it away. And she's like, no. <laughs> no, no. And, and the truth is that had she not stepped up and said, no, th this is not how it's going to be, perhaps you would have never heard of these treasures again, because again, a war was about to start. You know, yes. they were taking stuff out of the British Museum. So how yes. how in the bloody hell were you, you going to preserve this new find that had not been catalogued or put in, 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 in a preserving situation, you know. So yeah. in the end, it would have been looted somewhere by some, you know, big wig if she didn't do her best to keep it in her power. But yeah. as you said, misogyny is a hell of a drug, isn't it? Because <laughs> it, it was like, like I, I don't see them at any point saying, so, Miss Edith, what would you like us to do with this? Yeah, it was just, exactly. oh, no, it's already been decided. We're going to take this fucking yeah. thing and, you know, do our thing with it. Who cares, you know? Exactly. And I do not believe that would have happened if she had been male. Oh, I no. don't. I just don't see that happening at all. And I'm glad that she had the, the fire, the spine, the backbone to say, no, that's my land. That's my stuff. And we're going to do it my way. And I really don't care because I'm quite sure that they thought that she would just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or, you know, you're a man, so you must know what's best. <laughs> so um, I think that, you know, it was, she understood the value of it from the very beginning, the value of the find. And she knew what was going to be best for the find. And, you know, she wanted, she listened to, to herself and to Mr. Brown. So I think that was a beautiful thing. A, a horrible thing on one side, but a beautiful thing that they were able to stand up to him. Yes. And I, I would like to think that most of, the, of her attitude towards everything else had to do with two things, if I, can, if I can make these points. So I think, one, if you can see where she talks about what she wanted to do with her life, but her father wouldn't, wouldn't hear it. And so that in itself was a question of there was a time where I wanted to be something else, that I wanted to do something else, that I wanted to take my own direction. But I had to care for my father, even putting marriage to one side yeah. <laughs> yeah. for years. And there was that. But also, I think she saw a little bit of her story in Mr. Brown. In that the only reason Mr. Brown was being stepped on, though a male himself, it was because, of course, because he was a poor, not trained, well, educated he was, but not trained archaeologist. They looked at him as as another thing or less than. And in, in her case, yes. although she was a rich woman, she was a woman. So they looked yes. at her as, yeah, you you don't have the authority to say something. 
And Mr. Brown took it upon himself to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> you know, I'm out. Do, <laughs> do whatever you want, but you're not going to. You're like, I found this thing. And, and not only have I found it, like he didn't even have to see the first artifact to even understand that it predated the Vikings. That's how good this yes. dude was. He was like, yeah, this yes. shit is Anglo-Saxon. It's not, it's not Viking. Simple. Based on, like, yes. like you said, you can show me any fistful of dirt on this land and I can tell you whose it belonged to. This guy is a proper expert. Why yes. should you not listen to him? So I understood when, when he got on his back and said, fuck it, I'm out. Y'all do whatever you want because you're not even close to the truth, is it? And, and, yeah. and, and yeah. I think Mrs. Pretty kind of felt it. And she was like, yeah, let's do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. let's talk about the controversy surrounding the casting of Carrie Mulligan. In real life, when this whole thing happened, Mrs. Pretty was 56 years old. And Carrie Mulligan was cast to play this role when she was 34 years old. And a lot of people didn't like that. And I have to say, I didn't like that either. And I don't have a problem with her undertaking of the character. But there are plenty of 50-plus-year-old women in Hollywood that could have done the job. So I know that originally Nicole Kidman was cast for this role. But she had to step away due to scheduling conflict. But I think that choosing Carrie Mulligan for this role after Nicole Kidman has to step down was kind of a lazy choice, wasn't it? I agree. I, I like Carrie Mulligan. I liked her performance in this. I didn't really have any issue with her portrayal of the person, the, the character, but... I do think that they should have dug a little harder and paid a little more attention to the age of the person because I think that was a very important part yeah. of her was her age and I I just and it's not to say that a talented actress can't bring something to the role but I do think that one it would have been good to see someone that age in a movie <laughs> um you know as opposed to always being 20 years younger but also with this kind of a movie, I think it would have brought a kind of gravitas and a kind of understanding and sympathy that the movie didn't necessarily, that Carrie Mulligan just couldn't bring to it because she's, yeah. she's 35. So. so it kind of put everything in a weird place chronologically in the sense that I'm also trying to figure out the age of, of the little boy, right? Because if... Mrs. Pretty was 56 years old at the time. This kid was a bit too young to be her kid. Let's say that yeah. he was, I don't know, 12 or 13. But the, this kid, we saw, even in, in terms of attitude and in terms of uh, of physical development, this is like a 10-year-old, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. 
going back to Carrie Mulligan versus an older actress playing this, they say that Kate Blanchett was also slated to play this character. Who else would you have looked at if you were if you were tasked with finding somebody more age appropriate for this character? She's she's not quite old enough, but the first name that springs to mind is Kate Winslet. She's in her yeah. mid forties, mid to mid to late forties. She's not quite old enough, but that's the first name that came to mind. I'm thinking harder, and I can't yeah. think. Olivia Olivia Coleman, she would be in the right age. Yeah, I could see I could see Olivia Coleman. I could see Olivia Coleman playing this. This is. I don't I don't know why I didn't yeah. think of her first, but yeah, I could see that. I just, and I hope people understand that I love Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> I, I think I think she was she was yeah. fantastic in this character. But if you go yeah. looking for the the real characters, the the real people in this, there's a huge huge difference in. Why should it matter? Because at the end of the day, Edith Preddy was not a fictional character. Some of the right. people within the movie are fictional characters. Like the cousin is a fictional character who was just placed there based on the novel or whatever. But but Edith, Edith Preddy, for all intents and purposes, is, is a historical character too because you know her name now, and that of Mr. Brown appear on the British Museum. And uh, as of yet, I don't know that there's been any gift given to the British Museum that is as valuable as the one given by, by Edith Prethi. So, so I, I, think, I, think, I think she should have been no. respected a bit more. In no, I don't think so. I agree with that. And I... You know, she is mostly, I mean, I, I had never heard of her before this, I'm perfectly honest. And for her to have her first portrayal that I know of on the big screen or in television, however you want to put it, it would have been good to have someone. And again, I like you said, I love Carrie Mulligan too, and I think she did a great performance with this. But it would have been nice to see someone more of the age because... It always feels like it's only young people that can accomplish yeah. things. I mean, if you only watch, if you only watch, if you only watch movies, and if you only take it from television, it's like only younger. If once you hit thirty, you can't accomplish anything. And with her being in her fifties and doing what she did, it would have been good to have that kind of a role model for people to go. You know what? You don't have to be twenty-five to make to be a mover and a shaker. Not you know to make an accomplishment to make a. a a what is that word? A right. gift to the world. You don't have to be young. You can be an older person. It would have been nice to see that portrayed accurately. Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say, Jojo. Because you see, again, this is one of those things like uh, you, you just make it all fit like a, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a grand struggling over here trying to say and using some fucking shit. And Jojo comes and just like, okay, it goes in this order. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a bit about the cast. Uh, like I said, this was going to be a, a really a quick one, isn't it? So yeah. it 
there's a couple of interesting things to know there is that the character that Lily James played, that of Mrs. Pigot, is a real-life character, and it was actually her nephew who wrote the novel on which this movie was based. So it was based on her okay. telling of the story that this came from. She did indeed divorce the husband, and you will know why in, in the end. But also, again, chronologically, there's a lot of mishaps here because as you will learn in the movie, she talks about, we came here straight from our honeymoon. By the time the find happened, they had been married three years. <laughs> so I guess a lot of this rearrangement of the timeline happened because, you know, we got to make it interesting. All right. But, mm -hmm. yes. but that's pretty yes. much what it is. So let's go into Lily James played Peggy Piggott, although the husband insisted on calling her Margaret. <laughs> so you like Lily James, but what did you think of the character herself? I I I I'm not really sure what I thought of her to be honest. I um Do you think I don't do, you know. think, do you think the character was just placed there to to create the ultimate little romance that, that, that occurred there? That's kind of what I felt like, like sort of it was there to, to, um, I don't know, just kind of like maybe she was added as like, Oh, let's put this in because otherwise people will never watch it kind of thing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. But we see that a lot where, where, where real life characters participation in, in things once the, the, the story is told through movies and books, like the real life, some real life characters are just like in the background doing nothing. Meanwhile, they had a lot more, right? I mean, we, we talked about these when we talked about the serpent, the, yes. The, yes. the wife of the Dutch diplomat who kind of like, made it his life mission to find, discover who the serpent was, she did a lot more than than what she was portrayed to have done. And and I feel like, yes. you know, Peggy Piggott in this case was one of those cases. Ralph Fiennes, I think, I don't know that I, I, could, I could have thought of anybody else to play this character. There's something about this guy, you know, he can be, he to me is like a creepy Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, <clears throat> excuse me, I always sort of thought they were related, like when when they first became stars, because there was just something about them that reminded me of each other. Yeah. I would get them confused. <laughs> he either plays a very angry character or a very suffered, miserable character. He, he's never, like, I've never seen this dude smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I can't think of a movie that I've seen him smile in either. <laughs> I, 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 used to oh, watch, I, used, I used to be a big fan of this show, Criminal Minds. There was this character who was the mm -hmm. chief of the unit, uh, Gideon. 
that the entire crew had like a bet on who over the years could ever make him smile because he never smiled, he never laughed, he never did anything. And we're like, I'm pretty sure I saw some, I saw he cracked a little bit of, no, that's, that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, and, and yes. I, I think that Ralph Fiennes is that kind of person, like, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Cheer up, babe. <laughs> yeah. So this was, a, this was a very interesting character for me. And I don't know how much, because this dude, Basil Brown, died, I think, in 1977. So I don't know how much footage or anything, if ever, existed of him. So I'd like to really, I would love to pick Ralph Fiennes' brain as to how he came up with the character of Basil Brown, like what he thought of, you know what I mean? Because I kind of love this guy. Yeah. He, he is a, a self-made everything, astronomer, uh, yes. know, archaeologist, and he was serious about his stuff. And to a certain extent, there was some things about him that made me think of your father. <laughs> you know, he never published anything, but he wrote all kind of shit. He read the entire time, like wherever he was going, he brought all of his shit with him just to read, you know, sort of like, yeah. like yeah. A, a 19th century nerd. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so I like this character. I think Ralph Fiennes uh, did it yeah. justice. Yeah, I uh, I actually I agree with you because uh, in in watching it and reading the description, I was like, it reminds yeah. me of Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Monica Dolan played May Brown, the wife of of Basil Brown, and I don't know why, but I loved seeing her there. And the few times that she was she interacted with Basil Brown. You know, I understood perfectly the kind of of couple they were. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we we are a couple. We are partners. We are each other's confidant. Because you could tell that Basil Brown didn't have a lot of friends, and of course he does, he wouldn't, because most of the time he's digging. <laughs> yeah, <You know? laughs> and. Yeah, people, people that tends to make friends with somebody who's digging in the dirt. They're like, yeah, yeah no, that's it. We'll be over here. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think also then in his, around his colleagues, he also would have been not very well liked because he was sort of a threat to them, right? Because he doesn't have a title, but yet he probably could school all of them. So, of course, he's not going to be well liked by the people he work with. So I, I liked their partnership, but I think Monica Dolan brought something to this character that took the awkwardness of Basil Brown away. Yeah. There's this dude who played Stuart Pigott. I saw his name and it like uh, lit me up, you know, because I'm like, oh, another chaplain, right? And so when I did a little digging, this dude actually changed his name to, and took his mother's maiden name uh, when he when he became an actor. Mm -hmm. He is not, in fact, okay. part of the Chaplin family. 
his mother okay. is a is a chaplain, and so he took the mother's name. But I think uh, uh, his original family name is Greenwood. So interesting. You know, because I've never met a male chaplain in 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 the well, not met. I've never seen a male chaplain in the business of after Charlie Chaplin. So so. It, it's the daughter Geraldine, and then the granddaughter who was on Game of Thrones. So it was kind of picking my curiosity to know where the, where's this one coming from, you know? So yeah. Uh, yeah. okay, so no, you kind of a chaplain, but like by twenty five percent, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else? What, what do you think of the kid? I think he had a pretty good scene there when he sort of like realized what was happening to his mom. Yeah, he did. He was, he was good. He, he was, he was good. He was, I like, I like the name. Archie. Archie. Yeah. Yeah. Name. I know. Right. <laughs> and it's a good name, Archie, but yeah, he, it was a, it was a really good scene. I think yeah. he did really well. And I, he was, he was a lovely little yeah. actor. So I'd be happy to see him and <laughs> see what his career does. Yeah. But yeah, like for, all of a sudden, the name Archie has a a, a ring to it now. Uh, while yeah. while <laughs> you know before Archie Mountbatten Windsor, you, you would have thought whenever you heard Archie, the only thing that would come come to mind is the comics. But now all of a sudden, yes. whoever his name Archie, yes. like yeah, that's a cool name. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's a cool name. You're yeah, probably a Archie's cool dude. cool again, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johnny Flynn played Rory Lomax. He was like a lurking character. Like, he did not much, really. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah. I'll be here just yeah. taking pictures in the background. And, he <laughs> and then I'll bang this other dude's wife who's not really even interested in her anyway, so... <laughs> true. Yeah. true. Uh, this is true. Like, yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm here for. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, uh, this other dude, the dude who played uh, Phillips, what was what was his name, Jojo? Uh, Phillips. Ken Stott. Is that is that is that him? Char- he played Charles. Yes. Phillips. Where have you seen this dude before? Yeah. Um, let's see. I think he's a theater guy, isn't he? Is that what he is a theater like, guy. I, I, I don't know that but I've I think seen him he, much. He's, he's been in a few things, but it looks like he mostly does the theater. Um, he was in The Hobbit. Oh, of course. Then I wouldn't know any of that. Um. <laughs> I wouldn't know any of that. But yeah, he's been he's been in a few things, but mostly he's a theater theater guy. Are you a fan of The Hobbit? Like I'm not. I um. I liked the book. The movie was really long. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't need to be that long, in my opinion. And I liked Martin. Oh my yeah. goodness, Martin Freeman as 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 you know, he you know he was really really good in the role but the whole movie itself was like okay this could have been, been an email <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> uh, uh, that's cool 
<laughs> well, all right then. So, Jojo, how many stars do we give this movie? I'd say a solid three to three yeah. and a half. I think I'm cool with that yeah. one too. I think I think three. Yeah. Three, three and a half is okay. This yeah. is, like I said, this this is not a movie where a lot happens, but a lot happens. If if you if, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense to you, but I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> but down. But to be honest with you, that's my kind of it's it's, it's really my kind of movie. Um, um, yeah. Like I say, I, I I can watch action movies all the time and whatever, but I like movies with a lot of dialogue and 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 a lot of whispering sweet nothings. If you <laughs> if you saw yes. I mean. yes, yes. Because action movies, action-packed movies are a thing of, of it, it's kind of a new thing, to be honest, and is due to our ability now to produce or reproduce videos. But before that, all we had was theater, <laughs> and theater only yes. counted on big dialogues and, and, and the actual art of acting. So drama, yes. to me, you know, a bit of suspense here and there are sort of my favorite thing. And and then every now and then I'll watch Vin Diesel, you know, blow up a car or some shit, whatever. Yeah. You need that every so often <laughs> in your life. You do. Just every so often you need some, you know, the rock or somebody throwing throwing something or blowing something up. Amen just... to that. <laughs> so uh, we recommend... The Dig is actually a very good movie. Ralph Fiennes, Carrie Mulligan, yes. and a bunch of very good actors are on it. Jojo believes that it is deserving of three to three and a half stars, and I agree. And so we're going to leave you with that. We also would like to make the call that if you would like to follow us on social media, you will find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and also on the Pinterest. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel or also follow us on Twitch. And uh, you will find me on Instagram and on Twitter as Mr. Puzzetta. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. For now, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Ciao, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.